0: Beards for Radio.
1: We are back with another episode of Beards for Radio. We got lots to talk about. Uh, We're going to talk about the rosters for Michigan and Michigan State basketball next season. Uh, So that's why our boy Mike is back on. Uh, We got NBA playoffs. And specifically, Sasha, I want to hear you uh, talk about the NFL draft because I know you got some thoughts on that one. (laughs)
0: You want to start off with the NFL draft? We can start off with the NFL yep, draft. Yep. All right. Yep. So, like, I think everybody was kind of in the same boat. Well, I don't, I don't know. This is this was my opinion, okay? So mm-hmm. we got Jesse James. To me, it laid to rest all the, the talks about getting a tight end in the first round. Like, okay, cool. We got, we got uh, Jesse James. You know, maybe we're going to go for something big in the first round. I mean, Ed, Ed Oliver was still there, you know? Um, yeah, I thought I thought Josh Allen, you know, was gonna fall with with the Giants picking up the, the quarterback from Duke. You know, like oh crap, you know, maybe Josh Allen might fall to us. If not, not, Oliver's still gonna be there. So when they got T.J. Hawkinson, I think I smashed my hand on my desk. But I was, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll give it to him. Okay, let me just see how the next rounds go. What really, what really, really lost me. Was the second round pick of uh Jelani Tavai, who uh nobody knows? Um, I mean, the 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 analysts that even have the, the networks that even have uh video on this kid, he didn't go to the com- uh, combine, he had no combine uh numbers, no combine footage. He um was suspended uh his senior year. And also out with the shoulder injury because you got a brawl room fight. I don't know if the injury was from the brawl room fight, but he had both of those. Guys coming off of shoulder injury from from um, February. I just don't understand the thought process of looking at this guy. Like, where did he come up? Who was scouting this kid? There was nothing to scout. He wasn't playing. You know, I don't understand. You know, all I can all I can see is that uh, they were saying that the Patriots were interested in him mm-hmm. and if Bob Quinn's playing the little stupid like oh my god I gotta get them before they get them type deal you know and and if that's the case how stupid or is Belichick on the other end seeing if he can just still mess with his ex uh his extra um you know coach uh, and yeah. coaches think coach is insane. hey let's just put it out there and see what Bob Quinn does like what an idiot <laughs> you know like, I don't know if that's going on I'm just you know I'm just trying to throw fun you know at the whole situation but the second round really threw me off because to me we had people there like greedy williams we had justin lane who i feel like something's wrong with greedy because such a good back why'd he fall so low personally if i was in that spot i would have grabbed justin lane dude's a six three corner back he can run the four 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 fives he's tall he's long i've been since I was seven years old, I've been crying. We need bigger cornerbacks. We need bigger cornerbacks. We need bigger cornerbacks to bang with these hybrid receivers. Like, for example, um, uh, uh, Juju Smith or a DeAndre Hopkins, dude. You know, we need bigger backs like that. You know, I don't want Devin Lawsons. I don't I don't need Nevin Lawsons. I don't need those guys. I want big backs. I'm thinking, oh, my God, dude, Greedy or Justin Lane? You can't go wrong with either of the picks at this moment. Jelani Tavai. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, huh Oh, was, you who's know, so, uh, <laughs> <with> that? <laughs> and like, I, I'm good with the with, with the other few picks out there. Uh, the the Will Harris, the safety from Boston College, he's a he's a taller safety. He runs a four four. You know, they got that uh, the Penn State cornerback. He's about six two. He runs a four four seven. Amani Oruwari, Uru, Uru, I can't. I, I Oruwari, Uru. yeah. Oruwari, you know, and and those picks kind of soften the blow. You know what I'm saying? But the Jalen divide just Ripped it open, dude. Because you you, you could have got him late in the sixth round. You know what I'm saying? I, don't, <laughs> I honestly don't think he would have been drafted. To be honest with you, so the the TJ Hawkinson, I was like, oh, mm, you know, and I and, and I was hoping the second round pick would soften that blow, but it just made it like, oh, what? I don't understand. Um, I like the Will Harris and the Amani Orayu picks, even the Austin Bryant, the tight end from or the defensive end from Clemson. They were. They were a good pick. These guys, you know, in NFL.com, they give them, like, a chance to start. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. Johnny Tavai, they gave him an, an NFL backup or maybe a special teams potential. So what you're putting your second. You know what I'm saying? You know, Hawkinson, uh, they said that guy's an automatic starter. He's a plug-and-play player. That's what they have on NFL.com. Okay, I'll go with that. I- I'll bite that bullet. I'll be like, fine. But when your second pick is a potential to be on special teams – I don't understand it. I just I won't get it, you know, but only time will tell. But right now I I don't understand it to buy one and I just think that it's time to fire Qu- uh, uh, Bob Quinn. I don't even care about the season.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of why I brought it up cuz I knew uh you you um started a new Facebook page um and uh yeah. Um yeah, I kind of echo that like tj hawkinson um you know when they picked him at number eight you know i don't know like i'm fine with taking tight ends in the first round but it's like when you're taking one top 10 you're kind of like putting a lot of pressure on that tight end because tight ends one of those positions where you measure success differently kind of with every diff every tight end so it's like um, plus, honestly, I thought no Fant, his college teammate was a better prospect, but you know, time will tell,
2: time will tell.
0: Great. Right. And, and the other thing is, is in the seventh round, they get, uh, Isaac, uh, uh, not Noda. I can't, I think it's Noda from, Noda. from Georgia. Yeah. From Georgia. Like, like why, like, why I don't understand that. Like to me, if, if you look at the history of the NFL, with tight ends, there's only been one court uh, tight end. that has gone first round. that's done anything. Gonzalez. Every other tight end that's that's done good, Gronkowski, he's gone second or third round. I, I, I'm not, I I'm not being accurate. But, like, these tight ends that are Hall of Fame tight ends, none of them were drafted in the first round except for Gonzalez. You know what I'm saying? It's just – to me, it's like a, a straight-up luxury pick. You know what I'm saying? If, if you have all your ducks in a row, you know, that's, that's when you can pick a tight end. And not when you have someone like an Ed Oliver out there. Who, who can change your defense around you know what I'm saying and then and then to go on and get to jelaney to, uh, to vie you know what I'm saying it's like it's like it's like I was saying you know I feel like I feel like we're gonna rip off his head and it's gonna be Manti Te'o, and we just got catfish you know <laughs> so, well, I, a, I have, uh, you know I, I don't, don't
2: feel- wanna but, if if you're drafting a tight end at number eight, the only way you can get value there is if he is Tony Gonzalez. Right. Yeah. And well, yeah. I, I, what I thought what I thought the Lions should have done if, if they wanted to draft a tight end in the first round is they should have traded with the Steelers who wanted to move up and then draft whatever the best tight end is on the board at that point, which one of the two guys from Iowa is going to be there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point
2: because I, I
1: feel like all the teams around the lions had much, much bigger needs than tight ends. And you could argue that the lions had much bigger needs than tight ends, well, but they seemed, they seemed pretty, um, set on taking Hawkinson, which could be a good pick. You know, I've, I kind of echo what Sasha says. I think Jelani Tavai. um, if that's a different pick, like if they get one of those big corners or they get someone else, you know, that's kind of the difference between this draft being like, eh, okay, and you know how we're talking about it right now.
0: Yeah, man, can you can you imagine a, a, a greedy or a lane on the other end helping slay out? You know what I'm saying? Right. And then, and then you mean. got right, and then you got a bigger uh, this the safety from you know, um Boston College. I don't know how good he's gonna be, but he's a taller safety, you know what I'm saying? It's like we yeah. had big backs that we could have gone, gone and get. I mean, e- even if if O'Rayu was Araya o- was there at round five, come on, bro, you got to get yourself, you get yourself a Justin lane greedy, and turn around and get you in the money on the on the fifth or sixth round. I mean, this, right. to me, it's just a no brainer. But then again, we're dealing with the Lions here, and I've been dealing with the Lions here for twenty nine years, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and um,
2: I can't oh, believe ahead, drafted two tight. I I can't. I still can't believe they drafted two tight ends and zero offensive linemen. Right.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna bring up next because um, T.J. Lang retired, and they really just don't have a lot of depth on the offensive line either.
0: Yeah, they were looking at some some undrafted free agents. One was Ryan Pope out of San Diego State. He's an offensive tackle. He's about 6'7". He's a big, huge guy. I don't know what's happened since then. I haven't really looked back into it, but I was just reading, you know, that like a little bit after the draft that they were looking at a lot of undrafted free agents. But then again, it's just like you might not know what you're getting at that point either. You know what I'm saying? If they were really worthwhile getting, why don't you get them in the draft? But I don't know. As I said, either either Quinn's an evil genius or he's trying to be the smartest guy in the room and it's not working out for him. And I would I would tend to lean towards trying to be the smartest guy in the room and it's not working out for him.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think a lot of things would have to go right. And um, you, you're going to have to get some surprises for this to be looked back at as a good draft. I, I really didn't like what they did in the first two rounds. No.
0: T.J. Hawkinson's going to have to be like – with the number one receiver, you know what I'm saying, receptions. Uh, on this team, yeah. he's going to have to be up there. He's going to have to be, like, automatic plug-and-play day one and going to have to have an impact, or people are going to see it as a bust. You're absolutely right, Mike.
2: I would have even been okay as, if they, like, did something bold and, like, drafted Haskins to really put pressure on Stafford, even though that would mean – Possibly your first round pick doesn't take a lot of snaps. I think it would be, it would send a message.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And, uh, and uh, Redskins got a steal. They got Haskins, right. like, you know, uh, they got a steal for Haskins, man.
1: Could be so. worse. You could be the Giants.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, that makes I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm glad the Lions drafted a tight end rather than drafting that guy from Duke who, who who doesn't even look good. Right, you know everyone said that stuff about Mitchell Trubisky last year. Mitchell Trubisky came out slinging,
0: so I mean he's a good. He's a, he, I mean you look at him, you know eye test. He's he, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a he's a he's a he's a tall dude. He looks strong. You know he speaks on the mic well, but can it translate onto the field? You know can you be Mitch Trubisky?
2: I don't know. I saw I saw a really good. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I saw a really good comparison. Someone said that uh, he's more like Dave Brown, who the Giants drafted from North Carolina. It might have been Duke to replace uh, Phil Simms after they won two Super Bowls. Than he is like Mitch Trubisky because his, his what's the quarterback's name again that they just drafted? All right, Daniel, now, Jones. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. His stats aren't even that good.
1: You know, he reminds me of someone I've been watching for uh, seven years. He reminds <laughs> me of Ryan Tannehill. Without without all that pesky athleticism.
2: <laughs> I was going to say I'd rather take Tannehill. <laughs> but, but didn't you guys just get Rosen down there in Miami?
0: We did. Um, so how, yeah. you, how, how are you about that? Tell, tell me about that. This is, Joe's a Dolphins fan, everybody. Rosen went down there. Tannehill wasn't really working out. You tell me. How excited you are or not excited you are for Rosenstein to Miami?
1: Um, well, yeah, I'll talk about my Dolphins for a bit. I absolutely loved what they did on draft weekend. First of all, um, can't go without mentioning uh, Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle out of Clemson at number 13 overall. That dude is an absolute beast, and the Dolphins have had issues on the interior line for a long time.
0: But, yeah.
1: Swinging for Rosen, I just think it's a low risk, high reward um, try because look at Josh Rosen. I'm, I, I basically view him right now as like a rookie quarterback who has thirteen games of starting experience in the NFL. Like he's, I feel kind of bad for him because it's like he, everybody's thinking like, oh, what's wrong with uh, what's wrong with Josh Rosen now that you know. Cardinals didn't want him. They wanted uh Kyler Murray instead. Well, it's all about system. Like he just doesn't match up with Cliff Kingsbury's system, and Kyler Murray does. And um, you know, the Dolphins, I think they were picking uh 14th in the second round, they traded back, and then they essentially used that trade back to trade for Josh Rosen because they picked up a second rounder for next year. So essentially, Josh Rosen is their second round pick for 2019. And I think that's a hell of a pick to get in the second round because I was watching the draft with Mike last year, and Mike will tell you um, I was freaking out, thinking that the Dolphins might take Rosen in a good way. Um, And then the Cardinals swept in before us and took him, and we got Minka Fitzpatrick, who I love. I think that's a great pick. And um, now we got both of them. Well, look, you know, if he beats out Ryan Fitzpatrick for the starting job and is great, then – you know hey we can use our first round pick on whatever next year if he takes over and is not great well you know what next year's draft has Tua Tagovailoa, Jake Fromm, uh Justin Herbert, the year after that you got uh Lawrence from Clemson. So you know what if he doesn't work out, you can take a quarterback in the next two years, you'll be just fine. And if it does work out, then um you basically just got Brett Favre.
2: Shit. That's funny. <laughs> I was saying um when Rosen was a freshman, that uh, the Lions would be wise to do whatever they can to, um, get him, because at that point, Stafford's current contract, he was going to be a free agent the year yeah. that uh, that yeah. uh, Rosen was going to come out. And uh, not only that, Rosen's bad numbers last year. You know, like the Cardinals had the worst offensive line in the NFL. Yeah. Not only due to skill, but also due to injuries.
1: Right. I think you plug in a lot of quarterbacks in that on that Cardinals team, you're not going to see a much better result. I mean, you know, relatively, like if you plug in like, you know, Tom Brady and a good offensive line, obviously they will be a fine team. But, you know, I, honestly, last year I thought, the two best quarterbacks were baker mayfield and josh rosen and i was kind of like going back and forth between which one i thought was better so you know it's hard to prove yourself on a team like arizona like they didn't have a lot of good skill players david johnson was hurt a lot like you said not only was their offensive line bad like it wasn't just the worst in the nfl i think by a lot of measures it was one of the worst in the last five years of the nfl yeah um, you know, his best target was uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who I love. I love Larry Fitzgerald, but he's he's up there, you know? So it's
2: like... He's been in the NFL since the Clinton administration. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so I, I don't hold it over his head too much that the Cardinals were picking number one overall with him as a starter because I think, you know, you you add any almost any quarterback into that situation... And it might not be a lot better. So.
2: It also felt like the Cardinals were doing were doing the NFL equivalent of tanking last year.
1: Right, right.
2: So, and I think <laughs> I think their their quote their coach might still have a job if one that things didn't look so bad, and two, if um um, uh, what's his face didn't become available. Uh, Tex old coach. Uh, Kingsbury. Kingsbury. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited now. Um, I'm not, like, you know, thinking, oh, we're going to the playoffs or something. Um, But, yeah, I was just kind of not looking forward to the season. But now my fandom has frozen.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You might have the second-best quarterback in that division now. Well, yeah,
1: that's almost a given. But, yeah.
2: (laughs) I I, I still think Darnold could end up being good. He was – I'm not gonna lie. I had Baker Mayfield third coming out of that draft, and I had Darnold number two. Um, it's just unfortunate that he plays for the Jets, right? So.
1: But yeah, the Dolphins. Um, you know, they trade. A, they did a lot of uh, trading around on during the draft, but they addressed a lot of needs. Like I, I mentioned, Christian Wilkins. I love that pick. Um, they had, they added a lot of Big Ten players. They added um, some offensive linemen like Michael Dieter out of Wisconsin. <sighs> Prince from Ohio state and uh, a linebacker from Wisconsin. Those are usually pretty good. So yeah, I, I really like what the dolphins did uh, over draft weekend. And yeah, I'm, um, I'm very excited to have Josh Rosen as the quarterback. And again, it's, it's, it's high risk, low re- or high, high reward, low risk. I mean, like if it doesn't work out, you know, lots of second picks don't work out. It's no big deal. Right. So, yeah, I want to move on. Uh, We brought Mike onto this episode because um, since we last spoke, we've had uh, the college basketball season end, and some players obviously deciding to take the leap from college to the NBA, three of which are on Michigan's roster, one from Michigan State's roster. So that leaves us asking the question, what will the rosters look like next season? So, Mike, if you want to get us started on that one.
2: Yeah, um, Michigan's looking at transfers after you know Matthews, um, Iggy, and um, and um, Pool. Sorry, Pool. Sorry, I I couldn't remember his names. <laughs> sorry, I just got off work and I'm like blanking on a lot of people's names.
0: <laughs> happens, bro. We are all human.
2: Plus, I have like two pages worth of uh, potential transfers here, so I'm trying to remember a lot of people's names. But um yeah. we'll give but, a- uh, two people that Michigan won't be getting is uh Justin Pierce who last week announced he's going to uh North Carolina. Um yeah. Michigan Michigan was looking at him. He uh he's a good player, but I'm kind of glad Michigan didn't get him because I feel like it would have made their roster a little awkward cuz he's definitely a 3. I don't think he could keep up with 2s. And, um, Michigan's, uh, has two incoming freshmen that can play the three, uh, and Jalen Wilson, who should be able to play right away, kind of like Iggy. Mm -hmm. And then they also have a guy uh, named Badshima who can play the two or the three, but I don't think he'll play as much next year. He's really skinny. He actually really reminds me of Karis LeVert, who didn't really do much as a freshman. Right. Um, and then Livers can also play to three, though I think he he will be uh, Michigan starting four starting forward next year. Um, they were also looking at Lester Kiones, um, but Michigan actually canceled that visit, which uh, might mean Michigan doesn't have the budget to afford him. <laughs> especially considering some of the other play, uh, places he's looking to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: you always got um, to
1: consideration.
2: Yeah. Um. I'm actually the, – the, the player that I'm really bummed about losing for Michigan is Iggy. Yes. Um, yeah. Matthews was an excellent defender, um, but it kind of surprises me. <laughs> Apparently my dog wants to be involved in our podcast. <laughs> but uh, it, it kind of surprises me that um, Jordan Poole and Charles Matthews were two of Michigan's leading scorers because um, – Jordan Poole definitely had a up and down season last year. Mm-hmm. Especially like the second half. He wasn't all that efficient. And then Matthews, while an excellent defender, wow. he always seemed awkward when it came to offense. And uh the coaching staff would kinda refer to him as uh Bambi and Ice Skates <laughs> when it came to like driving to the lane. Um, some play, some uh, players I think uh, you can look out for Michigan to get would be uh, Franz Wagner um, who uh, who is Bo Wagner's younger brother. He, he's more of a wing player. Um, I think in B-line system, he'd be a three or four. They're also looking at a shooting guard named Cumberland. Um, uh, Bones Highland uh, would be a great pickup, but I think he's going to Kansas. Um and uh, I, I can let uh, you guys speak. I have more to say, but I don't want to ramble forever.
1: <laughs> oh, no worries, no worries. Um, yeah, so those last ones you mentioned, were those um, high school recruits or were those, uh, like,
2: transfers? Okay. Uh, um, Cumberland. I think Cumberland's a transfer. I think Michigan actually uh, um, uh, recruited him at one point. Uh, Sadi Washington, who's a Michigan assistant, handled his recruitment. Uh, Bones Highland, I believe, is a transfer too. Um, he might be a recruit. Um, sorry, it's a lot of names to keep track of. No worries, no worries. <laughs> and, and you know what I feel like too is that, like, first I think that
0: I, I, I I'm with you on the the whole Iggy thing. I'm I'm upset that Iggy's leaving. I don't, I don't necessarily think the dude's NBA ready. To be honest with you, I don't think uh, Pool's NBA ready either. You know, um, I think Matthews. It is what it is. You know, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a really big blow to Iggy's leaving. Huge blow. But with the transfer, with the transfer game, I feel like the transfer game is gonna be the is gonna be the new. It's like the new thing in college. You know, especially with the one and duns, especially with talks of, um, having. You know, kids go straight from you know high school to the pros. Is that this transfer? This transfer game is going to be where you, where you might find yourself a gem. You know, what I'm saying it's kind of like it's kind of like the you know free agency of college basketball. Something we're not kind of you know used to. I'm seeing more transfers, uh, you know, than usual. So uh, you, you never know. You can find a gem come out of transfer. You know that that's how Matthews. when Matthews came from Kentucky, I believe. Am I correct? Yep. Um, yeah. So Matthews came from Kentucky. We found a good little gem in Matthews. You know what I'm saying? So there's guys out there that are going to be overlooked by these bigger colleges who are going to, you know, hold that uh, a chip on their shoulder. You know, so I, I think the transfer game is is a pretty new and unique. Well, not new, but more unique nowadays, especially with the one and done rule uh, 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 almost about to go away because you know. Talk about it in the next two years. It's it's gonna happen. These these kids that have come from um, high school and going to the pros, you know, it's gonna happen. Yeah. So I think it's I think this, the the transfer pool game is is really it's really something unique to look at. Nowadays.
2: I and I, I think Beeline's done it done a good job with it. Uh, some of the guys that were naming were um, graduate transfers, so that, I mean, even under the old system, they wouldn't have to sit out. Um, but, you know, Duncan Robinson was another one. He was from D3. Um, uh, he he came here with a shot, but he was just a shooter. And by the time he left, he was actually a plus defender, which is kind of amazing. Um, uh, also, I agree about Poole and Iggy. Uh, Jordan Poole, like I said, as I wish him well. Like, I was a really big fan of his freshman year. But I actually think he's helping Michigan by leaving. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's his personal decision. Iggy, you would really think he'd come back another year, but the way he is, he just seems like a go-getter and he's going to prove people wrong. And, um, which is something I respect. I don't know if it's the, the smartest decision. I think under, uh, the, the latest, uh, NBA, uh, NBA draft.net or whatever, the, the one that, uh, combines a bunch of, um, draft projections, I think he's number 40, uh pool is 45 and matthews is going undrafted and i think it might actually be smart for matthews not to come back because he's already older than most of the other players that are entering the draft and you know the nba has kind of a age bias where they want the younger players that they think they can mold
1: and you know for some players it's not necessarily about how high you can get picked like Sometimes it's just about getting into the league, and I think all three of those players have a good chance to do that. Um, especially Iggy, like I think he's kind of built for the NBA today. So it might it might take a, a year or so. You might almost forget about him, and then he'll pop up. You know, I, I see it every year. Like when I'm watching the NBA playoffs, like uh, I'll, I'll, hear, I'll hear a name that I remember watching for years in college. And be like, oh, that's where he ended up. You know?
2: Yeah. Like, I
1: feel like Iggy um, – is pro- out of those three, like, I feel like he'll probably be – he's probably the most NBA ready. And from the way he's talking, it seems like he's going to stay in the NBA uh, draft and not come back.
2: Yeah, I, I actually uh, – out of the three, I would put him as the highest return, but I would still only put it at, like, 5%. So. Right.
1: So, um, what's, what's your, like, breakdown of uh, the Michigan roster for next year? And then I'll get into Michigan State after that.
2: As long as they can get two transfers of note, I actually think they're really like built well. Um, like I said, uh, besides their top three scorers last year, they It kind of surprised me because I really only thought their dom. Their only really good dominant scorer um, was eighty. So I think there's like a lot of uh, offense to be had. I'd like to see them get some scores. Um, I really like. Uh, Xavier and Teske mm-hmm. at a uh, point guard and center. Like, I think that's kind of your glue. Um, when I was uh, looking at like Livers, like stats and um, ratings, like I was shocked that his like defensive ratings are as high as Charles Matthews. And um, the, the, the um, when uh, Livers, uh, Xavier and Teske were on the court, and when compared to when Matthews, uh, Simpson, and Teske were on the court, like the production was almost the same, uh, whether it's like point per uh, possession or points given up per possession. And that kind of surprised me because while I really like livers, I didn't really think of him on, as, as on the same level as Matthews. Um, but if he's like really showing up defense that well, I think that will really hurt the loss or help with the loss of Matthews um yeah. the Julius Johns and Castleton will all be sophomores next year and um they're projected to be backups again and if you can get any growth from there I think that really helps Michigan's depth. um right now Eli Brooks is slotted in to start at the shooting guard and while I'm mm-hmm. a little surprised how good he is defensively because I don't necessarily think much of him he's really really a minus on the offense and he's super apprehensive the shoot and you could see on the sidelines when he'd be wide open that Beeline would just be screaming shoot <laughs> and it's not necessarily right. something you see very often with Beeline, especially last year. It was almost the complete opposite of when Poole had the ball.
1: <laughs> that is really That would concern me a bit too um having as a uh, two guard but yeah. That's why I'm almost.
2: That's why I'm a little glad they didn't get pierced because I don't think you could really slot them in at the two. So that doesn't really solve that problem.
0: That doesn't really help. Right, and, and you know what? Next year, I want to see out of Teske. I want to see Teske play as big as he is. He is to me he's just soft serve ice cream when it comes into the post. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the games against Michigan State, he had freaking Winston funding him. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like if if you have a if you have a point guard that's fronting you in the post, it's time to lift some weights, bro. Time to get bigger. Time, time to start uh, banging in the post. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to spend your whole time in the post because he has a pretty decent outside shot. You, you know, when he's on, he's, he's stroking, he's stroking, good, good, awesome shot. You know what I'm saying? You have to pick and roll every time. He can pick and pop. When he pick and rolls, I want to see some strength in him. I want to see some – I want to see the ball up in the air. I don't want to see it low, some of these small guards smack it out of his hands. I want to see him go to the, uh, to the rack aggressively. I want to see him be a better rim protector. That's what I want to see out of Teske this year. You know what I'm saying? I want to see a little more strength out of him and a little more, you know, chippiness and, you know, knock dudes out of the way because, let's face it, man, if if there's a big guy in 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 that paint, man, and we all watch the bad boys – they're, you're going to get knocked out. You're going to get knocked out, dude. And that's what I want to see out of big men sometimes. I want to see that. I want to see a Boogie Cousins. You get what I'm saying? That's what I want to see out of big men nowadays. I want to see hybrid big men. Bang, outside, bang inside and stroke it in your face outside. You know what I'm saying? That's what I want Tasky to do. And if, I feel like if that doesn't happen, who's going to come in and do it for him? Castleton, Livers? You know what I'm saying? That's where I think the biggest, the biggest red flag is for Michigan is our big men.
2: I, I, w- I would agree on the offensive side. Um, On the defensive side, he actually had a really good defensive season. Um, I think on the offensive side, I'd like to see him be more aggressive, at, like you said. Like, not only among big men, but just among players across college basketball, he actually had one of the best uh, turnover rates, which means it was really low, which you almost never see in big guys. But right, I actually right. think in some ways that was a negative because I think he's being too apprehensive, <laughs> you know, maybe you almost want him to go to the basket more maybe have a couple more turnovers. If it means you get more points. Um, right. But he, I, I would love to see him be more aggressive on offense. And then two, you see that shot really developing, but it's just, it's not quite there at three. He can like, if he takes a step in from three is that, um, his shot percentage is a lot higher than just outside the three-point line. And if he can, you know, for his senior year, if he can really develop an outside shot, that'd give Michigan an excellent weapon. Um, the other way, another thing I could see, I would really like to see is um, Xavier Simpson's uh, three-point percentage was 31% last year, which from his, from his sophomore year, which was 23%. If he could just raise that a little bit more, you'd really like to see it get, 35 36 37 that could become a threat for Michigan too because that was a weakness last year as their point guard wasn't like necessarily a knockdown three-point shooter but we've seen him improve not only his three-point shooting but his free throw shooting so if he can take uh, one more step between his uh junior and senior year that could be the difference between Michigan being good and Michigan being very good yeah
0: Mike I totally agree with you because you know in the, beginning of the season, I was all I was like, "Dude, Michigan and Michigan State, dude." I think if if people aren't up in arms in the state over how we have two good collegiate basketball teams, then people don't have a pulse. But then, as I cu- kind of get like later on in the year, and you know, everyone's still like, you know, Xavier Simpson, who's this under, who's undersized point guard to begin with, when his go-to move is a running hook off the glass something needs to change a little bit. You know what I'm saying? He needs to get a little bit more of a jump shot in his repertoire. So yeah. I love,
2: I love that he has a hook, but it'd be nice if he could at least you know shoot 35% from three. Which he's getting there, but...
0: Right. So would you rather have him shoot 40% plus from three or have a good running hook shot?
2: <laughs> well, I don't know if 40% is on the table. That's but I mean, you never know. He did take an eight percent jump, but yeah, <laughs> three point shooting for sure, right? For sure,
1: yeah. And um, for Michigan State, like they got one roster spot open right now. Um, a name I've heard a lot is a grad transfer from Virginia Tech, uh, Kerry Blackshear. But his name is also in the NBA draft, so we're not sure. And you know, Kentucky's also going after him, so you gotta think about that a little bit. But, uh, you know, they. It's the losses of Ward, McQuaid, and Goins uh, early on, I think, are going to be really stark. They're going to be hard to hide. But as the season goes on, you know, I just. I love what they got coming back, but I kind of want to, like, pump the brakes because they're, like, a unanimous number one preseason right now. And that makes me more nervous than anything. Because <laughs> I definitely got some questions. Like, how is Josh Langford going to come back? Um, when is Josh Langford going to come back and be, like, completely healthy, and what can we expect from him when he's healthy? Is he going to be that guy that he was when he got hurt? And then, um, you know, they're really depending a lot on the, the freshman class of this past year that's going to be sophomores. They're really depending on them to take a, a big step, which I think Aaron Henry and Gabe Brown definitely will. They showed some flashes in the NCAA tournament. But you need Foster Lawyer to be a reliable backup point guard because foul trouble can happen to Cassius Winston like that. He was battling tendinitis in his knees for like half the season but couldn't come off the floor. And, um, you know, he might be like the heir apparent to take over the spot that Kenny Goins is leaving. And he's definitely got the talent and he's got the length. He needs to add on some bulk and some you know, some less the bang with the guys down low. But uh, a name that really flies under the radar for me is uh incoming re- uh, recruit, Malik Hall. Uh, he's not my favorite recruit because I love everything about Rocket Watts, just like his aggressiveness, his shot, his name, Rocket Watts. Um, but Malik Hall uh, just graduated from high school, and he's going to enroll at Michigan State this weekend to uh, begin classes and get used to campus. And Tom Izzo himself has said that Hall is going to be an important player that could have an immediate impact and he kind of plays like that three floor that we saw Miles Bridges play that we uh kind of see Aaron Henry play right now so I think that's an under the radar guy but obviously when you got players like Cassius Winston and Josh Langford and Xavier Tillman who really um, when Xavier Tillman came on um after Nick Ward got hurt that's what took Michigan State from being a pretty good team to being a great team like Xavier Tillman's game against Duke, against Zion Williamson, really doesn't get enough talk because because he put up 19 and 10. You know, if you look at Zion's stats, you'd say he didn't have a good defensive game, but he really made Zion uncomfortable. And Zion's damage came when Tillman wasn't his his primary defender. So I love uh, Michigan State has. I'm not sure if they're going to add anybody for that last roster spot, but if they don't – um it makes me a little nervous that uh, the sophomore, the class that is about to be sophomores, really needs to take a big step up. Like, none of them are going to be like the main guy, but they, you know, to have a complete roster, you need all of them kind of taking the big step. And I, I really think Aaron Henry will, and I like what Gabe Brown can do. Um, obviously, Cassius Winston coming back, but that's kind of my breakdown. I don't really have any, uh, recruiting names. Um, and really just the one transfer name, Kerry Blackshear, but not sure, uh, which way he's going to go at this point, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, keeping track of all those recruiting names, that's, it's hard as you saw for me. I couldn't remember who was coming from where, you know, I usually just follow it casually and then I'm getting ready. So, I- you know, I'm writing down notes before we go on air and then, uh, You asked me a question. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I can't remember them all.
1: Yeah, I think Michigan State is set recruiting wise and then they might try to add a transfer uh, with that last spot. But if they don't, you know, I still I still like the roster that they have. And, you know, Thomas Kithier showed some flashes last year at the four and the five. And then um, Julius Marble might take over uh, the big bruiser that Nick Ward was because think uh, Ward is staying in the draft. Um, at least it looks like it looks that way. So, you know, I, I really like what Michigan State's coming back. You know, <laughs> it's kind of uh, a luxury. When my biggest concern is that everybody Michigan State is number one preseason.
0: <laughs> right. Uh,
1: yeah. It's kind when of-
2: um, oh, whenever ahead. when a lot of people had a Michigan number two before Poole and Iggy declared, I was a l- little surprised by that. But when I was like. Asking, I asked a couple people on Twitter, like, sports writers, like, what what makes Michigan number two? Like, I kind of felt like there was too many questions, and they kind of laid it out to me as, well, everyone has questions. They just had less. Right. So, that probably goes with Michigan State as well.
1: Yeah, like, there's no team. If there's a team that right now in college basketball has all the answers, like, that's a problem for them because – they're gonna get it. <laughs> like you know Michigan State opens the season against Kentucky at Madison Square Garden I'm almost like kind of hoping that they don't win that one because I don't want them to get like too um you know too full of themselves too early not that you know those players could but you never know
2: right what did you think of Ward declaring
1: You know, I kind of expected it. I think when he was healthy, he kind of showed that he had learned his lesson, you know, from entering last year and coming back. And I think he showed a lot of maturity when he did come back from his broken hand and he wasn't, you know, pressing uh, Izzo or the coaching staff to give him minutes. Like he really adjusted to what his team needed him to be. So I think he might not get drafted, but I think he does have a future – in some way in the NBA uh, just because he can score down low, like very few players I've seen on any level. Uh, He's a good rebounder. He really did amp up his defense from his sophomore year to his junior year. And again, like, I think he showed a lot of growth and maturity uh, when he came back from his broken hand. So it doesn't surprise me, you know, I, I think if he were to come back, it would be kind of like a weird situation with him and Tillman because Tillman, he really needs to play the five on defense just because of, like, the way he switches on people. Um, you know, that won them the Michigan-Michigan the State game in East Lansing, in my opinion, the way he switched on Simpson. So, um, you know, as long as they, avoid, they get some good injury luck, I think Michigan State, um, yeah, I, I love everything coming back right now.
0: NBA playoffs, man. There's uh what, eight teams left, I believe. We got, who do we got we got Denver Portland. Denver leads that series three to two. Rockets Warriors, that's tied up. 76ers Raptors. Raptors got it three to two. And Milwaukee, Boston, Milwaukee is leading that, I think, three to one or one. Three to one. Three to one the games on tonight. My favorite series out of this whole thing is Denver, Portland. Probably because Jokic's my dude, my yeah. Serbian brother. I love the way he's playing. I love the way Jamal Murray's playing. I love, especially, to me, who's who stepped up his game on a defensive end more than the offensive end is Gary Harris. Man, is that dude has just been a three D player, and he. It, it's just to me the Denver the Denver Nuggets are. I, I, I didn't. I forget what analyst said it last night, but they said these guys are like the new Warriors. They're one wing player away. One good shooting. Three away from being like the Warriors, man. You got a seven foot uh, point guard who's, you know, in in, in his in his uh, you know playoff debut already has four triple doubles, man. You know what I'm saying Magic Magic's at sitting at five uh, when his, his playoff debut. So like, I love the way Denver is constructed. I love the way that team goes. They can even bring Plumlee off the bench to to come and give uh you know uh, Jokic some. Some good breathing, uh, you know, some good time off, some good rest. But I honestly do think Denver, man, is going to give Portland a run for its money, man. I don't know. It's going to come down to game seven. I don't know who's going to win it because, some nights, you know, Lillard can drop a 50 burger and a 47 uh, shot and uh, you know, one of the best defenders' faces in the NBA. So I- I'm rooting for Denver. I hope Denver takes it. But, um, you know, Denver, to me, is my favorite team. Denver is my adopted team. You know what I'm saying? If Detroit's not in there, I'm going to root for Denver, man. I just like the way they play ball, man, from, like, from their wings to their big man. You know, even even, even uh, Hernan Gomez is coming off the bench, popping threes, yeah. and doing shimmies and shakes. You know what I'm saying? And everyone's saying that, like, this guy is, like, so well-loved by his teammates, so well-loved by his fans. You know what I'm saying? I, I love – when, when when your fans and your teammates can love dudes that come off the bench very last off the bench and and you know you know we saw that in Detroit you know what I'm saying we we had guys come off the bench we had junkyard dog come off the bench and everyone was just love in love with that guy you know what I'm saying they had a dog pound for him and everything you know what I'm saying I, I feel like it's that same kind of camaraderie that they have there or, or you know uh, on the Denver side, and I just I love watching the Denver-Portland series. It's such a great series to watch. What's your guys' think
2: on it?
1: Yeah, um, I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, I've been talking about Denver since they drafted Gary Harris, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I remember, like, watching last year. Um, The last game of the season was Denver at Minnesota. The winner went to the playoffs, the loser didn't, and the oh, Nuggets were right there with the Timberwolves, and they ended up dropping it at Minnesota. But even then, like you could see that they had a lot of pieces. But Paul Millsap missed a lot of time last season. Uh, Gary Harris got hurt middle of that game that I've referenced. So I feel like they might not win it this year. The, I'm, and I'm not talking about the Sears. I'm talking about the whole thing. They might not win the whole thing this year. If they keep on the trajectory and they don't lose a lot of pieces or that camaraderie that you're going to see them competing in the conference finals and the NBA finals, um, you know, for the next four or five years. And you know what? Yeah, you said, like, they're giving Portland all that they can handle. They got Portland on the brink of elimination
2: right now. Right. If
1: you look at the Houston Golden State series, like, Golden State, I am I just haven't been super impressed with since Cousins went down, in all honesty. Um, they, they're looking vulnerable, like, They're not the Golden State that handled Denver at every turn in the regular season. They look a lot more um, susceptible to be upset now. And Houston, like – I just don't like Houston. Is that that bad? Like, I just don't (laughs) have them.
2: What do you you think, Mike? You you don't have faith in Houston?
1: No. I don't know. No. (laughs) I mean, that might come back to bite me. Because um, you know, I I think they will beat Golden State. In all honesty, but I just don't like them, and I don't think that they're like the type of team that can win an NBA championship.
2: Hmm.
0: I mean, that's that's fair to say. Because to be honest with you, this is my least favorite um, series watching this Rockets Warriors. Every single non call or call is a complaint, is yeah. a bitch, is a cry to the ref. I am done with it. I'm I'm sick of seeing it. Like the, the last this Rockets is, Warriors game, they refed yeah. it a little better though. This should
1: be the best series on TV right now because you got the the Warriors who look like they might be fading but they're still trying to scrape one last run together. And you got the Rockets who came so close to unseating them last year, you know, and Chris Paul is healthy now. But yeah, it's just well, you know, it starts so late, but it's also just Yeah, it's it's is one of the more difficult series to watch right now.
2: Especially since I don't stay up to watch them, so <laughs> 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 that may maybe change my perception, but I I mean I've heard about the the complaining. I don't know. I like Houston's uh roster though, I mean as far as being good. Um so I don't, I I mean I disagree with that. Uh but I do agree with um, uh, Golden State seeming vulnerable, and I kind of—I I think I told you before the series started. I thought Houston would beat them, Joe, and I kind of still do.
0: I mean, Mike, you're not far off. You know, what I'm saying uh, I think J- James Harden is is arguably probably one of the best scorers in, in our gen- in our time watching the NBA, but. I ser- seriously still hate watching the ISO ball. You know, what I'm saying. I think, I think that ISO ball because if it is, if it not James Harden doing it, it's Chris Paul doing it. <clears throat> and I, and I feel like where they prosper at is when they move the ball around and you get people like uh, Eric Gordon involved. I feel like Eric Gordon's a good X factor for that squad because you can pop, dude can take it inside. You know, Clint Capella's is doing all the dirty work. You know, what I'm saying. So I, I, I get what you're saying on Houston. I just, I just, I'm. So against the ISO ball, we, you know, I mean, I guess hero ball. that's them. what I call it. It's hero ball. Exactly it every is, you know
2: every so. basketball team is better when they move the ball.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's why I think Rockets are going to gonna end up because it, it, as good as Harden is, he doesn't do this consistently in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? We've seen Harden do it, score 60 back, 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 back. Back points games you know what i'm saying in a in a a, get his mvp cry about the mvp i can mvp in the preseason but then he chokes in the in the playoffs so i honestly do think it's gonna happen i don't think he's gonna be able to do his one man running gun show you know for the next two games but i i could be wrong but i just don't see it happening i just saw
2: them as like a favorite they've had like the best uh uh Uh, Record since the All Star break. And I think actually going back even farther, um, you might be right. Chris Paul and James Harden don't have the best uh, playoff record. I don't really find Chris Paul likable. I do like James Harden. I I just, I I do wish he would pass more.
1: (laughs) Spend too much time. Actually, their
2: coach coach doesn't have the best uh, playoff uh, track record either. Um, Dan Tony.
1: They spend too much time with Oscar from the office too. I'm sick of those commercials. <laughs>
0: right. I am so sorry for your automobile. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but the series I'm really most excited for is one that isn't even official yet, but I just wanted to start and that's Milwaukee and Toronto. Like they're both one game one win away from uh getting to the Eastern Conference finals and facing each other. A lot of people uh, have been talking about Kevin Durant. Like he's the best player in these playoffs. I really feel like it's Kawhi Leonard.
2: I I wouldn't sleep on the Sixers though. I I think uh, Toronto will beat them, but I think the Sixers will push them the seven games.
0: Yeah. No, Joe, I think you have something there with Kawhi, man, because the 76ers looks like last year. I thought they were going to go far into the playoffs and then, Embiid end up, ends up like later on in the series, is, he ends up looking like he's, I don't know, he's gassed, he's tired, he ends up looking like a drunk baby giraffe out there, and he's like falling over himself. And he's, he, he's, he's sick, he's sick. Well, so you have uh, these other guys on the team that, that, that are, they're going to need to carry it too, you know, not, not just yeah. Embiid. So yeah, I, I, I see the Raptors beating them, and I see Milwaukee Raptors going head to head, man. And I think that's. That is going to be a series to behold, man.
1: Yeah. Um, And honestly, like, you know, Kawhi and Giannis, aside from Gary Harris, they might be my favorite players in the playoffs right now. My least favorite that I, like, have zero sympathy for has got to be Kyrie Irving. Like, really, if you take away the years he played with LeBron, like, is anybody really that impressed with what he's done?
2: No, uh, Boston fans want uh, Marcus Smart to play.
1: Yeah, I would too, in all honesty, because at least he's going to show some grit and, like, some, like, you know, (laughs) he's going to show something, because Kyrie Irving shot eight for 22 and then was like, yeah, that's not going to happen again. And then he shot seven for 22 the next game. I feel like he's been talking all year, you know, about, like, you know, when he talks, Ron and said, I can't handle being a young kid, and I can't handle these young kids right now. Like, what the hell is that say to your teammates right now that got to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last year? Like, like to me, it looks like they might have been better off without. I mean, obviously, it's easy to say that now, but look, like, you got young players like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, and I just feel like Kyrie is kind of like a diva. I don't; he's not really likable. And if you take away the 2016 uh, NBA title, I just think he's not. He's he just doesn't. He doesn't compare favorably to me, you know.
2: He left a really good team too, and now he's talking about wanting to leave another really good team. Like, he's starting to develop a track record.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he uh, goes to L.A. and re with LeBron.
2: Yeah, with J- it looks like Jason Kidd might end up being their head coach. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Ty, uh, Ty Lue didn't take it because um, the Lakers want Jason Kidd on the staff, and he wanted to pick his own staff. And he felt like if, like, they underperformed, they were – Gonna make the switch to Jason Kidd midseason. so now there's speculation that they might just hire Jason Kidd. Really, you know what? I, I I think I think Kyrie Irvin
0: is doing the same thing to this young squad of players, like LeBron is doing to the young squad of players in L.A. He's not maybe not calling them out and wanting to, you know, whole student body left for uh for a D down in uh um New Orleans, but. You know, it's the same thing. You know, these these younger guys, and I think that's why Kyrie Irving apologized to LeBron because he started to see that either he was being the LeBron and bullying the young dudes, or he was realizing that wow, I was this young punk treating LeBron the same way these little young punks are treating me. You're no longer the young guy; you, you you're now the alpha dog, right? quotes. Uh, alpha dog, right? Well, they're not treating you like Just like LeBron's, I can treat it like that in in LA. Well, you know what? I see Kyrie going to New York with Zion. And I see KD maybe coming up right behind him. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't see, I don't see if Golden State loses. I don't see the core of those players sticking together. You know, and um, with, 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 uh, Steph Curry's wife going around saying that she wishes uh, she gets more attention from men like Steph gets from women. It might be throwing <laughs> Steph's game off too. I don't know, but I just see that there's there's going to there's, there, there's uh, Celtics is going to come to the end soon. And I think the Warriors are going to come to the
2: end soon, especially if the Warriors don't win. I don't know about the Celtics. I don't think they need Kyrie. No, I'd I, I know they have a uh, Rozier and Smart. Yeah. Um, you talked about Denver uh, needing a wing that can shoot. Clay Thompson's going to be a free agent. I don't know what Denver's cap situation is. He probably go to, but, LA. Uh,
0: but he he's going to want to stay uh, West Coast. Should probably go to LA and be with. LeBron. Denver's
2: not that far uh, east. Yeah, that's true. That's true too. That's true. I, I I think Clay's likable too. He can pass. He's not the best defender, but he tries and he has a shot. Oh, I think Clay's a good defender. I think he's a shitty dribbler. Yeah,
1: I think he plays the same position as uh, Gary Harris. Like the two, sometimes the three. Um, I th- I don't know how that would work because I feel like uh, Gary is kind of like a, an up and coming clay, just like because he's more of a defensive threat than offensive. Yeah, he can, he can on offense.
2: And um, well, who would you replace the to get some uh, shooting that they need?
1: That's a good you know, question. I like Tory Craig in their in their starting lineup, but he's like more of like the defensive guy. If you can get like a 2 or a 3 guy who can play, you know, the combo position, Craig can really play the 3 or the 4. Um, I don't have like a specific name on my mind for Nuggets. But, you know, unless you slide either Thompson or Harris down to the 3, like in that case I could
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, you know what i would
0: like in that spot a, like a trevor ariza
1: okay yeah yeah
0: one who can, who can i like shoot, trevor ariza one who can kind of consistently shoot and one who can play defense on the
2: other end you know what i'm saying you would you say mike you like trevor ariza i've yeah. always liked trevor ariza um actually we're naming a lot of players trevor ariza gary harris uh Marcus Smart, these are all guys I want the Pistons to get at one point or another whether they were free agents or in the draft or...
0: (laughs) Not much of that, we could have had Booker, we could have had Donovan Mitchell, we could have had still had Chris Middleton, we could have had Justice Winslow. I mean, you can go down the list of who the uh, the Pistons could have. Let's just hope that Dwayne Casey knows what the (laughs) F he's doing from here on out, man, because wow.
2: I get that and like, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I knew some of those guys, you know, like I, I Giannis wasn't on my – I didn't necessarily think Giannis was going to be one of the best players in the league, but I knew Marcus Smart coming out of Oklahoma State was going to be a good point guard, you know. <laughs> so I, I try to be uh, – I try to be fair, you know. Being a Michigan, I knew Gary Harris very well. So, right. you know <laughs> – and I actually knew Mitchell would be good. I, I wasn't high on Booker. I still think Booker, you know, might not be as good as some people made him out to be, but I knew Mitchell would be good too. But
0: man, I'd I, 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 I take those guys over Reggie Jackson. I'd take all three of those guys over Reggie Jackson. I don't, even, I don't even care if some of those guys are even a point guard. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and Mike uh, kind of posed this question to our friends earlier this week. Um, oh, yeah. You go ahead and ask it, Mike.
2: <laughs> okay, who would you rather have? Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, and Miles Bridges, package deal, or would you rather have Blake Griffin? Package deal. That's basically what that trade last year ended up being because the draft pick I – d- I don't remember if where – where is Miles Bridges playing right now? Charlotte.
1: Sure. So the Clippers traded the draft pick.
2: But- okay, so but they, they did select them. Okay, I didn't think he was playing for the Clippers, but I know the Clippers have kind of moved some people around, too. Like, Tobias isn't there anymore. He's now in Philly.
0: Although I was, like, not for the Blake Griffin trade, like, now that I look back on it, man, I give Blake Griffin so much respect. That guy... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that guy got traded out for the Clippers without probably even know. You know what I'm saying? No clue until you were the last one to know. You know, came over here, was 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 a consummate, professional played his ass off in the playoffs with one leg played his ass off or we had guys like Andre Drummond just be pedestrian. Like I don't I don't want to hear people say, well he puts up 20 and 28 he puts up 20 and 20 and we lose. All right. So it's just it's it's not it's, it's not like he's putting up twenty and twenty, blocking five shots in the other end and stopping someone else from scoring twenty on him. You know what I'm saying? Because it it just doesn't happen. It was refreshing to see that Blake Griffin put it all on the line. And it just – is it because he wants to make this uh, uh, organization better or is he pumping his resume to to take off next year, you know?
2: I don't know if he's pumping his resume because he has a nice contract and I think he was kind of happy to get out of LA. I think he kind of became a punching bag for their fans. Um, maybe unfairly so. Kind of the way uh, Drummond is here, but I think you know Drummond earns it. I hate, 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 hated the trade last year because I've never been a Blake Griffin fan, but he's earned my respect. Like especially pre All Star break, like if you look at his numbers, they were actually really, really, really good, and even overall for the season, they were really good. I think he. Obviously, he started to break down after that. He was playing hurt in the playoffs. Um, He didn't have a lot of help. Um, The Pistons didn't have a lot of depth to to begin with, and once they made that trade, it really obliterated their roster. Um, But, I mean, he made it like – his performance this year made it much more of a debate. Yeah. I also don't know where they go because he's an older player – <laughs> and the roster doesn't really seem to be ready to win now, but it doesn't also look like it's they're doing any kind of youth movement. So like I have a phrase I use for the Pistons the last eleven years. Pistons purgatory. Where they're where their ceiling is getting swept in the first round of the playoffs and their basement is like picking eighth in the draft. <laughs> they're always be picking somewhere between eight and sixteen, which It's really hard to win that way. So, right. Because it's different from like all all drafts. If you don't get like the top five, six,
0: everything else is a crapshoot after that.
2: Yeah. Really top three. Like if you look historically, like where most franchise players have been picked, it's really like top three or four. Right. You know, which is really (laughs) small. I know people hate the phrase tanking. But I mean, you have to look at it as less of losing on purpose and more of just getting really young. And it can be really yeah. fun to watch a team like grow up. Like it sounds like um, Joe did that with the Nuggets. You know, yeah. like it's kind of hard to imagine the, they uh, missed the playoffs last year to Minnesota. And when you look at where which directions those two franchises have come or gone, like it's kind of it's kind of fun to watch young players get better.
1: Yeah. And um we can have this discussion on another episode, but it's like I was thinking of like watching the Nuggets one time, like who would who would I rather have? Like Jamal Murray or Ben Simmons? And like Jamal. Yeah, well Mike like, like instantly it was like Ben Simmons, which I get like he is the superstar. But I just it's not just Gary Harris now. Like it, Gary Harris used to be the only reason I watched the Nuggets when they were on TV. But like you said, Sasha, it's uh, it's Jokic coming up. And then Murray, even though he's a Kentucky guy, he really is like that blue-collar type of player. Like, he's like that junkyard dog, but he's also a superstar. And, you know, he also takes jump shots uh, behind, like, three feet from the basket on, like, Simmons. But that's that's a discussion for another time. I, I really like them both. But, yeah, just watching the Nuggets more and more, I love Jamal Murray,
0: dude. All right, so out of these eight teams' next series, what what teams do you think move on to the next series? Denver, Portland, Mike, what do you think? Who do you think is moving on from there? Oh, uh, Denver. I think it goes seven, though. Joe?
1: I'm going to say Denver wins in Portland, uh, Denver in sixth.
0: Okay, so then who do they play, Rockets or um, Warriors? Rockets.
1: I've always said uh, it's like innocent until proven guilty. Uh, It's the Warriors until proven otherwise. So I'll contradict myself from earlier and say the Warriors.
0: I'm with you, Joe. I think it's going to be Denver and the Warriors as well, and I think it's going to be one high-paced series. Uh, Mike, you're going with Denver Rockets, and that's going to be another high-paced series if that comes to uh, fruition. But Milwaukee, Boston.
2: Uh, Milwaukee,
1: Boston. Oh, sorry. Yeah,
2: Milwaukee's up by 10 right now. I think they finish it tonight. Okay.
0: So,
2: uh, uh, 76 seven, was Raptors. Uh, Raptors. I'm gonna yeah, Kawhi,
1: Kawhi is the best player in these playoffs right now. Uh, Raptors. And you know
2: what, Kyle Lowry?
1: Uh, I used to kind of hate on him a bit. He's actually been playing really smart, and I think he he's really good about picking his spots. And I think also. Um, a player who I haven't heard talked about much, but really up and coming that really rapidly build future on is uh, Siakam, forty-three, So even if they do lose uh, Kawhi Leonard, I think they got some good bases with OG Ananobi and uh, Siakam.
2: Well said. Do you want to go all the way to the finals? Want to go next round?
0: Go next round.
2: Um, so we got.
0: So, Mike, since you got Denver and Rockets in the next round, who do you think would win out of Denver Rockets?
2: Oh, man. I'd like to see a game one first, but just for fun, I'll pick Denver. Okay. Joe, yes. you are Denver Warriors. Where do you think it goes on from there?
1: Um, Just looking at how the two teams are playing right now today, uh, I would take uh, Nuggets in seven. Nah, J- J- Nuggets in six. I think it would be hard to clinch Game Seven in Oakland, so I'll say Nuggets in six.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm with you. I think the uh, Doug, I'm riding this Nuggets train, man. I'm, I I committed to it. You know, I'm gonna ride it out. Um, I would be so happy if they,
1: if they made it.
0: Right. So we got we all we all chose Milwaukee and Raptors. So where do you think
2: that that goes? I think Giannis is gonna knock Kawhi out, and he's gonna be the true champion of the playoffs. As the best player, he's going to take that belt back, and Milwaukee will win in six.
0: Okay, okay, I'm I'm with you. I think Milwaukee will win, but I think it's going to go all the way to Game Seven.
1: Um, uh, just to be different, I'll I'll ride with Kawhi and Lowry and Siakam, and I'll say, uh, Raptors take it in six. Oh,
2: okay, okay. Toronto and uh, Denver, I think somewhere like in the league offices, the NBA league offices, I think they'd be like pissed if that is (laughs) Though I don't know if they'd be much happier with Milwaukee. (laughs)
1: See, that's that's the reason why I kind of like like these playoffs a lot because you don't you don't see L.A. or Miami or like even OKC is kind of like a big, big, but of a
2: market. But you know, oh no, they're small. But you kind of got sick of them, same yeah. with San Antonio.
1: But Milwaukee and Toronto, if they were to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals, that's two smaller markets, two teams uh, that I haven't seen in my lifetime in the NBA Finals, and one of them is going to be in. So that's what would excite would excite me the most.
2: I'm with you. Well, that's why it was like kind of fun at first when Golden State got good because they hadn't been good or even like decent since the early '90s. But now, like, that's kind of boring, too. And that's why the NBA can be so boring. It becomes kind of stagnant. Right. And this is why, like, I've had the most fun. And probably, like, since 2015 when Golden State got good with the NBA playoffs. It's just it seems like a lot of fresh faces and and teams. Just for shits and giggles, who do you guys have taking it all, then?
0: Milwaukee. Joe? Uh,
1: if it's Toronto and Denver, as much as I love my Nuggs, um, Kawhi, like I said, I think he's the youngest NBA football MVP of all time, and I think he would add to that trophy room if it's
0: uh, Toronto and Denver. I'm going with Denver. I'm sticking to the Denver train, the Nugget train. So we all have three different people winning it, man. So it's going uh, to be something to come back to this in a, in a month. Yeah,
2: yeah. After like Golden State wins, and we all look stupid.
0: Yeah, that could happen too. <laughs> too. But you know what, man? You know what? 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 Uh, what? People that sit and do
2: this kind of stuff are 100 percent right all the time. Right, right, yeah, right. And I'm honestly, sure. if they, if they, if they had Boogie, I'd probably be picking them because they, yeah. They, I, I know Houston had the better record the last part of the regular season, but I thought, like, down the stretch, actually, Golden State looked the best.
0: More complete. Yeah, yeah
2: but but like you guys said, like, that series is so ugly, it's kind of hard to pick either of those two teams. You know? A little bit. Yeah. Well, Sasha, if the Nuggets
1: do uh, go on to win the NBA championship, like, that would
0: just be the coolest thing.
1: Like, that would be amazing to me.
0: Absolutely, because you got you – got, uh, They're there's such a young, a young core of players and they're playing at such a professional level that, you know, even if they don't win this year, I can see good things, like you said, coming to them for, like, the next half decade. Yeah. So, if
1: if the Nuggets or Raptors or Bucks win it all, uh, you guys heard it here first on Beards for Radio.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be really happy if Giannis, like, won one for Milwaukee and he stayed yeah. there and – like you don't. A lot of times, like superstars, want to leave the small market teams. Right. Yeah,
1: I, I I agree with that a lot. All right. Well, yeah, I think that covers everything we wanted to get to on this one.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Always, Mike. Always, it's always a pleasure, brother.
0: Pleasure to have you, man. Um, yeah. I'm Joe.
2: I'm Sasha. I'm Mike.
0: And,
1: uh, this was an radio. Radio. Visit um, farseba ebar.com com. Bar is always making new products, and he's our sponsor. And um, I'm wearing one of his hats right now, and it fits like so. <laughs> a glove.
0: So we're going to have a Fairbar Bar uh, endgame review coming up soon. He is a, a, a super-duper mega fan. So we're going to uh, have that for you guys in the next week
2: or two. So.
1: That's pretty- right. Thank
2: you <sighs>